Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our stuff, but they stay frostbitten. You're now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. And on podcasts everywhere, it is your man DM Cool. And welcome to Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Ain't no stopping us, ain't no topping us. They be watching us, we so prosperous. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Tell a friend, tell a friend that we're live on the airwaves, and we have a lot to get to on tonight's show. So, I'm going to be handling it on the solo tip for tonight, but nonetheless, I still got some great content that I want to discuss with you all. So, feel free to get active on social media at Cool Radio CC on multiple social media platforms. Uh, but on tonight's show, we got to talk about Sp- Spike Lee's Netflix series. She's got to have it being canceled. We also got to talk about the ASAP Rocky situation, as well as Nicki Minaj wanted to... Uh, dip into Hollywood once again. <laughs> and speaking of Hollywood, our main topic for the evening is going to surround around diversity within Hollywood, whether it's a trend, people are trying to cash in on it, the recent, um, I'm not going to say controversies, but I'll say recent backlash that we've had in regards to the news of Halle Bailey playing the role of Ariel, as well as Lashana Lynch playing the role of 007. We're going to get to all of that, trust me. But before we do... You guys already know what time it is. As if I don't already have enough to get off my chest. I already got some stuff that I want to discuss that leads into our current episode of Cool Radio. So on that note, I think it's time to let that ish breathe. Let this bitch breathe. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So with that said, let's get to the main topic of let that ish breathe as far as the segment is concerned. Um, This week... Thursday, July 18th, 2019, marked the one-year anniversary that the biggest trade in Toronto Raptors history took place. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, cool cats and cool kittens, I am talking about the trade that sent Raptor favorite DeMar DeRozan, along with Jacoperto, uh, to the San Antonio Spurs for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And that trade alone changed the, the trajectory of this franchise forever. Now... Let's do a little retrospect on this transaction, shall we? And I remember I was here, it was a few days after the trade had gone place. So I it was probably maybe like a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday of that, and then I did my show the following Friday. But I remember upon learning about this transaction, there was a lot that was going through my mind. <clears throat> but mostly negative stuff that came out. And I'll be the first to say that. I have no problem saying that whatsoever. Because first things first, when you think about DeMar DeRozan, you think about the only star that this team has ever had that actually wanted to stay. So when you go back in history as far as the stars that we've had or the players who would later become stars are the ones who looked like they were in that trajectory, none of them ever wanted to stay. So Damon Stoudemire, he didn't want to stay. Tracy McGrady, he didn't want to stay. Vince Carter, he didn't want to stay. Chris Bosh, he didn't want to stay. So on and so forth. Outside of Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan is the only star that actually wanted to stay. And he had been on the team the longest. We had drafted him from when he was 
uh, 19 years older. From then on, he kind of grew and elevated his game. He wasn't projected to be an all-star, but he built himself into that. And I think Toronto, with the general blue-collar, hard-working mentality that is adopted, appreciated that work ethic from DeMar. Even though he didn't get us as far as we wanted to, we appreciated the effort that he put in, and we appreciated the fact that he put the team and the city on his back and realized that he's not just representing the city, but that he's representing a country as well. So he took that challenge. He may not perform to it uh, to the level that we wanted him to, but he performed it to a high level nonetheless. And I think that's why everyone was so shook when they heard about the trade. We heard rumors here and there that tr- that the Raptors would be um, in the – in the running for Kawhi, but it was just rumors at that point, and we'd probably be at the bottom of the totem pole, as well as, you know, a, a lot of people were very apprehensive as to, or maybe anxious, I would say, as to who on the Raptors would be moved, because we know, we, re- we remember from Masai's ending uh, press conference that he said that whatever moves happen now, it's on him, and that changes will be made. And then we had already heard about Dwayne Casey being fired maybe a week prior to this move. So we're all like, oh, okay. Messiah's not playing around. So who's next on the chopping block? So we were all thinking about that. <clears throat> and then as well as the Kawhi factor. Like, does he even want to stay? Is he even going to report? I mean, there are times where, where players have been traded to Toronto but didn't even report for training camp or report for – didn't even come to the city. Like, I remember when Vince Carter got traded – to New Jersey Nets for Alonzo Mourning along, along with a few other role players. Alonzo Mourning retired, and then he got signed to the Miami Heat a few months later. So, yeah, there's that. Marcus Canby got traded to Toronto back in 2014 uh, in the whole during that whole time where uh, guys like Rudy Gay and whomever were being moved, but he didn't report to Toronto. Uh, Kenny uh, – uh, who was it? Kenny, Kenny Anderson way back in, like, 95 – was was sent to Toronto, but he didn't report for them as well. So there's a long list of players who have been traded to Toronto, but said, "No, screw you guys, take me anywhere but Toronto." So we, so I don't know how everyone else felt, but I felt that way. It's like this guy's not even gonna come. He's gonna try and finesse his way to to the Lakers, whatever the case may be. And then another thing I was thinking about was, okay, let's say he does come to Toronto. Is this guy even healthy? Because his health has been a mystery throughout the entire 2017-18 season. We don't know where he's at right now. Is he at peak level? Is he at 80%? Like, where is this guy? Because his whole health has been a mystery. And on top of that, the whole Uncle Dennis thing, he seemed like a big drama case that we didn't really need because we're trying to improve our situation to the point where we're not the laughingstocks of the NBA. We're trying to get to the chip. I think that's the, that's the main thing that I had on my mind, as long with the whole DeRozan factor being in there as well. So I did see the benefits of getting a Kawhi Leonard because, of course, if he's healthy, easily top three player in the league and was a runner-up for, for MVP the year before. So you already know what the upside is. But I think the most challenging thing was if this guy goes in a year, where does that leave us? And my thing was – and I wasn't thinking of the, of the logistics of it and what have you and, like, the, the future planning. But my thing was I didn't want this team to be a bottom dweller again. I didn't want us to be in the Atlanta Hawks or Charlotte Hornets where we're tanking for, for picks. And everything. I didn't want to be in that situation again because this whole We The North era, like, I've enjoyed it because we've been competitive throughout the regular season. And we've been competitive throughout the playoffs. Haven't gotten the chip, of course, but we were still competitive. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't want that to die. I don't want everyone being validated 
Raptor haters, at, at the very least, being validated for saying that this is a crap team because once you lose all your main parts, yeah, you're going to be a crap team and now they're going to have more validation than ever. And I'm not even talking about people from the States. I'm talking about people here in Canada. So, like, I didn't want to hear that. And I didn't want the city going back to hockey and everything. Like, I just didn't want any of that. So I was having, like, I was having the biggest of existential crisis in my head as well as out front. And I just didn't want to go through all of that again. So that was what was going through my mind during the whole trade. But then in hindsight, when you look back at it, it was the greatest trade in Raptors history. One of the greatest trades ever in NBA history. And it was the biggest gamble that I've seen in a long time in the NBA. I can't think of a gamble bigger than that within the last 10 years. I I really can't. Within the last 10 years? Yeah. I mean... Maybe the KD to, to Golden State, but it wasn't a gamble in the sense that you knew, in, in the sense of whether or not you would get a championship, because he knew he was going to win a title. Like, that team won 73 games the year before and took the Cavs to seven games. It was, would you gamble your reputation on it? And did it pay off in terms of championship success? Yes, but in terms of happiness? No, because... KD has said on, on multiple occasions, well, not himself, but we've heard reports saying that he wasn't happy with the championship wins. But that's neither here nor there. Point is, this is a pivotal moment in NBA history and Raptors history especially because that move paid off. And even though Kawhi decided to uh, go to L.A., at the end of the day, we got a championship out of it. If we didn't get a championship out of it, he would have gone to L.A. for sure. At least winning the championship, we had the thoughts of, well, maybe he might run it back on a one-plus-one deal potentially. Who knows? We'll never know. But if he doesn't, well, at least we got a title out of it. He gets to go home. We're all happy, and then we can just move forward into the future. And that's exactly what happened. And like that's the best way to look at it. Um, as far as Messiah's legacy is concerned, I mean, this will – garner his legacy in, in, in a big way because he showed that even though he is for the players and what have you, he has shown that he is not afraid to make the ballsy moves if or when necessary, and that's exactly what he did. And what does this mean for future players coming uh, going forward as far as franchise guys, guys who are superstars coming to the city? I mean, yes, in hindsight, it does look bad that you had a player who led you all to a championship but then decided to leave anyway. If you look into the context of the situation, you'll understand why. But on the outside looking in, just looking through your peripherals at the very least, it still sets, sets a negative precedent on the team. But nonetheless, I think the Raptors can rebound from this. Like It's not going to be a dire situation. Of course, in two years, the free agency, free agency pool will be large once again. And if this team actually remains competitive into next season, doesn't look like a, a complete tire fire, then it gives that much more incentive to someone like a Giannis Antetokounmpo, for example, who could potentially make this his landing spot in 2021. So I think it's just a matter of staying competitive for the next two years to show Giannis or any other impending free agent that this is a destination where you can win. So I think that's the main thing going forward. But either way, this was a pivotal moment in NBA history and in Raptors history as well. The Raptors celebrated their first ever championship, and the nation of Canada especially celebrated their first championship in, in 20, 23 years, rather. I mean, I'm thinking it's probably going to be from any of the six – uh, Canadian NHL teams, I'm thinking maybe it might even come from the Blue Jays, especially during that run they had about uh, four, four, four years ago. But it came from the Raptors. Man, I've been cheering for a championship, but I didn't see it coming like this. So 
I'm happy either way. Good for Kawhi. And honestly, I hope he I hope he he puts in some work in in, the, in, uh, in Los Angeles with the Clippers. Obviously, I don't think the Raptors are going to make it to the finals this year. But if I had a favorite to if I had to pick my sentimental favorite to win the finals this year, it would be the Clippers off the strength of Kawhi and off the strength of the fact that the Clippers have been a laughing stock in the NBA for Lord knows how long. So if he can at least bring them to prominence and still play in his home city, hey, we're all winning at the end of the day. So kudos to him. Either way, what do you guys think? As always, hit me up on social media at Cool Radio CC and share your thoughts. After the break, we're going to get into this topic of uh, diversity in Hollywood. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Are students just cashier on it? Should characters with a, with a particular origin just stay the same? We're going to talk about it. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Uh, yes, yes, yo, welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool, and welcome to Cool Radio. Let's get to our main topic of the evening, shall we? So, the news recently broke that actress, black actress, uh, Lashana Lynch, made headlines by being casted uh, in a future 007 film. So, in this film, she is poised to be the next 007, the next James Bond, if you will. So... A lot of people were split on this, if you will. It was a very polarizing decision that was met with mixed reactions all across the board. So a lot of people were saying, hooray, hooray, celebrate diversity, you know, women empowerment. Other people were saying, what the hell? Like, this doesn't make any sense. So it got me thinking about not only this scenario, but the scenario with The Little Mermaid and what have you. And this whole thing about diversity and what have you. Um, so let's talk about that. Let us have a discussion on that. So in regards to Lashana Lynch playing the role of 007, um, I would say me personally, I'm indifferent to it. I don't really feel one way about it. It's cool that we have yet another, you know, uh, black individual playing a prominent role and a female as well, especially. So I think that's a good look and I can understand why, James Bond purists feel a certain way because James Bond has a certain image and what have you. On top of that, he's a male and all that stuff. When it comes to James Bond or 007 in general, 007 essentially is a code name. It's a code name. So you don't have to have a particular image or look a certain way to have a code name. And I get it from the original novels that were written in the 60s and so on that have been adapted. James Bond was always uh, carried as carried on with the image of a white British male, dark hair, and what have you. And most of the actors have portrayed that. Pierce Brosnan, Roger Moore, uh, uh, Sean Connery, but he kind of had, what, reddish hair in those films? Either way, you've had those those guys portray those roles. I think the only person who kind of deviated away from that image was Daniel Craig. And I remember even uh, Daniel Craig got some flack for having blonde hair and blue eyes because that wasn't the natural appearance of James Bond. And even uh, when people were in their discussion holes about whether or not uh, Idris Elba should be casted for the role of James Bond 007, people were, people were kind of mixed. They kind of had the same reaction that people are having right now. And so now, fast forward, we have Lashana Lynch who's now playing that role. Um... 
again, I feel very indifferent to it because at the same time, it's just a code name. Like, no one specific person can be James Bond. I get it. The image has been there for the last 50 years, literally. And that's something that's very hard to rewrite in, in the minds of many people who have grown up with this franchise and have grown with it. But in reality, that's exactly what it is. It's 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 a it's it's a code name. It can be given to literally anyone. So I get why people are upset because they've had that image for so long. But sometimes things sometimes things need to some some things need to change. They need some retinkering. That could be one of them. Either way, I feel indifferent to it. Now I can feel. I can understand rather why people would be mad at it besides from the fact that you're remixing an original character whose grounds have been put in place for the last 50 years or so. I think there are some people who are mad at black people, especially who are mad at the fact that there is a black woman playing this role because it's not an original role. I think there are some, there's, there is a segment of black people who would, who would rather prefer that if there is a role that, that requires a lead male or female, that it's an original story rather than a story that's been around for decades upon decades and then just inserting that black person in that role as the black version of. And I understand why because it does bring some sort of expectation to it. So you're expected to at least play the role to the same level as past actors who have done so and you, either that or you have to live up to it or you have to exceed those expectations. And if you don't, then not only is a movie going to be trash in their eyes but they're going to say well see look at it. they they only put her in this role because she's a black woman and diversity is a thing so i get that there's that angle of it as well i think it just depends on how you view representation and diversity within hollywood now is hollywood trying to cash in on diversity of course they are hollywood doesn't do anything without the sake of raking in money so let's just let's just take that cat out of the bag surprise surprise I think it's just a matter of how well you do it and how well you perform it. Because there are some cases of diversity within Hollywood within recent years that have not only made bank, but they've also reached critical acclaim and praise. But there, there have been other times where it just kind of looks like a money grab. So let me break down a couple of them. And let me see. I want to see what you guys think about that. By the way, hit me up on social media platforms at CoolRadioCC to share your thoughts on that. Now, let's talk about a few films, for example, that came out in recent years. <clears throat> let's talk about Ghostbusters, Ocean's Eleven, and Captain Marvel, all right? So, with Ocean's Eleven and, and, and uh, uh, Ghostbusters, those were remakes. So the original Ghostbusters from 1984, I believe, that was a classic film. That like that's a cl not only a classic 80s film but a classic film overall. So people have their attachments and their emotions, you know, attached to it in, in a sense. So they're gonna feel a way that it's not done to justice. They would rather have the original cast back and do a sequel if that were the case, rather than get four four other actors to do it. Not to mention. A lot of people would say that diversity is being shoved down the throats because they're taking old films and then remaking them but putting people who are completely different in it. So in this scenario, you have three Caucasian women and one black woman, whereas in the original film from 84 was three white guys and one black guy. So right there and then, people are looking at it and saying, oh, it's just a knockoff from the, 
from the 84 film, but the only difference is that it's women this time. Now, I didn't see the movie, so I'm not going to judge on whether it's a good or bad movie. I can only go based off of what the reviews were for the movie, and the reviews weren't that great, and the return on investment wasn't that great either. So I think that works against people who are considered to be a part of diverse communities because of the fact that you already have to live up to this mantle that has been placed upon that is on a high that is on the highest of pedestals and if you don't meet that level then you're already riding up shit's creek so it's you're already you know working from the ground up in that sense you already have a lot working against you because people already have their preconceived notions that it's already going to be bad and the same thing happened with Ocean's 11 the remake that they did not too long ago and I get it. You want to have like a female empowerment type of film, and I'm and I'm down with that. But again, you are taking an original property, and you are trying to remix it for a crowd that is already attached to the previous Ocean's Eleven from what I think the '70s, and then you had the remake in the in the early 2000s, and then the one that you currently put out what I think last year or two years ago. So again, you're you're kind of playing with people's nostalgia at that point, and they want to see things the way they saw it when it came out in this particular time period, not when it's remixed and you're only doing it just for the sake of diversity. Again, that will probably be another scenario where they would much rather have the original cast come back for one last hurrah rather than just remix it and just add in women or my, or visible minorities just because it's diversity. So I think that's where some people are coming from. Mind you, there are some sexist assholes out there who just don't want to see women win at all, and they're just assholes. But there are people who... When they look at diversity, they say, okay, this is just a money grab. You're just taking a film that already exists, but then you're remixing it just for the sake of diversity so you can make some extra cash. And when you're taking an old, older property that's already been done to death, I can see it from that standpoint. I can understand that. And in that scenario, I would much rather that they make an original movie for those women so that they can stand out on their own so that they're not being compared to past films. That's what I would prefer at the very least. Now, again, I didn't see that movie. Didn't know how it did in the box office. But again, like Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, it didn't have the greatest of reviews. So again, that worked against them. Now, when it comes to Captain Marvel, that one's a little interesting because there's never been a Captain Marvel film before. And Captain Marvel is an adaptation of a comic book. Now, the thing with Captain Marvel, it didn't suffer the same fate as the previous movies that I just mentioned in terms of remixing an old project and just doing it but putting the female version in it or whatever the case may be. This one suffered – well, I don't want to say suffered because it made bank at the box office, but the reviews were very mixed, and I saw the movie myself, so that's one I can definitely comment on uh, in that regard. The movie suffered uh, – okay, let me stop saying suffered. That's not the, the wrong word to use. The movie was polarizing. That's a better term. The movie was polarizing because of the fact that, yes, you have diversity in there, but they try to force it down people's throats in the sense where they were a little too on the nose about it like huh see see what we did there see yeah diversity so for example there are parts of the movie where carol danvers who is captain marvel was being catcalled and there's one particular scene in the movie where some guy on a motorbike was like hey honey why don't you smile more and it's like okay we, we get what you're trying to do. All right. Lead female in the movie. Her whole thing is she's been told that she couldn't do this, that, and the third. And they're constantly putting the narrative of, like, the men around her putting her down because of the fact that she's a woman. I get that. But I think they hammered that point in one too many times. And it, it got to a point where it's like, okay, guys, we get it. We understand. 
she's she's a woman in a male dominated industry and society in general, and she's trying to fight from the ground up because some sexist assholes won't take her at t- won't take her seriously. We get it. You don't have to keep on ramming in our throats and that. So I get it from that from that standpoint. On top of that, in a pivotal fight that happened in, in, at the in the third arc of the in the third arc of the movie, you have um, the song "I'm Just a Girl" by by Gwen Stefani playing in the background. A critical fight, a critical dramatic moment, and you have that song in the background. I'm just like, okay, guys, we understand what you're doing. Like we've been understanding. Like you don't like this. We're not children. This isn't a pop up book. We we understand. You don't have to keep on driving that narrative home. So I think. People who saw the movie were were, were noticed that, and, and they're just like, "Yeah, guys, chill, just chill for a bit, for a minute, please." Now, there are some people in the comic book community who are a bit more particular on that film, not just because of that, but because of the fact that the original Captain Marvel from the '70s, the one that debuted in the comics, was a black woman. And in fact, not only was it a black woman, but it was a character known as Monica Rambeau. And in the Captain Marvel movie, Monica Rambeau was the little girl who was the daughter of Carol's friend Maria Rambeau, who ironically was played by Lashana Lynch. Now, a lot of people were mad at that because it's the fact that she is supposed to be the Captain Marvel. So, And a lot of people see that in a sense where that could have been Marvel's opportunity to have yet another black lead in that in that in that role, especially a female, so you'd be killing two birds with one stone. Not only are you representing for the black community, but you're, but you're representing for the for the female community as well. You just combine the two in one, and you would be comic book accurate. Now, some people may argue that this version of, of Carol Danvers is has been the most popular one thus far, and that's why they used her for that. But it depends on who you're asking. So that's that. Those are a few prime examples of diversity not necessarily working in the favor of Hollywood. Now, let's get to some examples of it when it has worked in the past. So you have movies like Black Panther, Wonder Woman, Fast and Furious, Crazy Rich Asians, and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, to name a few. Now, let's go to Black Panther. And I know I talked to death about this movie all last year, or most of last year, I should say. Uh, But that movie worked because it was... Again, another comic book, comic book adaptation based on an original character. This this character was originally black. He was originally a- African. He was originally from a nation called Wakanda, et cetera, et cetera. We know the whole story. And when they adapted it into a film, they kind of made it their own thing and had some um, modernized tendencies uh, and sensibilities injected into the movie that resonated with audiences of today as well as audiences of I don't want to say of old, but like of past generations. Like that's the type of movie that you can watch with your parents and have an in-depth di- uh, discussion about about ideologies and isolationism and nationalism and the African diaspora, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And on top of that, there was great acting along the way, and there was moments of female empowerment. I mean, half that movie was basically female empowerment, and they did it without trying to hit you in the hammer with it. Like, you had a general, you had a scientist, you had a maverick, and you had a monarch. And those are all four completely different characters who had very little similarities or more differences between them. And they didn't have to hammer that in. Like, we just saw it. They led by example. They didn't say, I'm a woman and I'm a scientist. They didn't have to do that. And Black Panther didn't have to be like, I'm a black man and I'm a king. They didn't have to do that. We saw it by example. They just did their thing. It's like Kawhi Leonard on the court. He doesn't have to sh- prove that he's a leader by saying it. He leads by example. And that's what Black Panther did. 
for example. And then you have Wonder Woman kind of going to my point about just leading my example. Wonder Woman starred um, Gal Gadot as the titular character. And again, she proved that she has fe- that she has female empowerment coursing through her veins by the actions that took place in that film, which is why it made bank and which is why it was critically acclaimed. Then you have Fast and the Furious, which has been diverse from the moment it jumped in theaters back in 2001. And they've always made it a point to involve a diverse group of actors in that film. You've had you've had um, you've had black actors in that film. You have white actors, uh, Latino. Uh, you've had Asian actors. Like I mean, it, it's it's like watching the United Nations reffing it up Mitsubishi cars. Like that's basically what it is. So there's no arguments over there. And then you have Crazy Rich Asians, which is really big for the Asian community because it was one of the very few films that we saw that we've seen in Hollywood where the majority of the cast is Asian and it doesn't have to do with martial arts and it doesn't have to do with, you know, uh, a woman being docile towards the, the white man and it didn't have anything to do with uh, a man, an Asian male being nerdy or pubervescent or being uh, emasculated or whatever the case may be. They were rich, prominent Asians uh, within the uh, Asian community in California, I believe. And it was basically a romantic comedy, but with Asians. That's all it was. Mind you, I didn't see the film, but the premise of the film, it's basically a romantic comedy uh, uh, that fi- that focuses on the affluence within the Asian community in that particular area of California, I believe. So don't quote, uh, don't quote me on that, but correct me if I'm wrong. Those aren't movies that Asians would normally be casted in in North America. Maybe films in the Asian market might do that, but definitely not in North America. So that was a hallmark moment in that sense. And then you have a film like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which, again, a diverse cast. Yes, it's like the umpteen Spider-Man movie, but it's arguably the best Spider-Man movie that's ever been made. Not just because of the diversity, but because of the humor in it, the writing, the dialogue, the animation, the type of animation that they used. And the fact that they showed a different side of New York that they haven't really shown in past Spider-Man movies. Like, instead of showing a gentrified area in Queens, they showed a brownstone area of Brooklyn where you saw black people, where you saw Latinos, where you saw different ethnicities combined into one. And then all the other spider people that were in that film were, were black, were Latino, were Asian, were white, were, were female. You saw all of that. So there are times where diversity does, in fact, work. But it's it all depends on how it's done. And that's the main thing that I'm trying to get at. So if you're trying to remix an old film from, like, the 70s or a film that's already been done – and you just do another version of it, but this time you say, okay, let's swap out all these white male actors for for female actors or for black actors, then it just becomes the black version of. And I think that's what a lot of people within the black community are upset about, and I get it. And I think what Hollywood needs to do, and Hollywood has been getting pretty lazy for Lord knows how long, is that they got to create original roles or allow people to create original concepts and, and have rules for original for original characters, so that way it can be it can become its own new thing. And I get it, comic book adaptations, the novel adaptations have been a thing, especially for this past decade. But let's let's not reach for the lowest of hanging fruit. Like I saw a trailer for a new Charlie's Angels film, and I'm just like, you already did that back in the 2000s. Like, why are we doing this again? You know what I mean? So that's another example of Hollywood just reaching for the low-hanging fruit when it comes to diversity. Like, you're being lazy with it. Now, in regards to, you know, the whole Ariel Little Mermaid thing, I kind of already 
explain my point on this, but I would say when it comes to Little Mermaid, it's a mermaid. You know what I mean? And I get it. Ariel has this classic image of what appears to what a mermaid that appears to look like a Caucasian female with red hair and what have you. If anything, the red hair is more synonymous with the Little Mermaid than her appearing to be Caucasian. Because at the end of the day, she is, in fact, a mermaid. Mermaids have no race that uh, that's related to the human species. They're their own species. So if that's the case, why does there have to? Why does she have to be a white woman? Like that's one of the few cases where you take an original character like that, but then you can remix it because you can literally remix that into anything you want. Similar with the whole 007 thing that I mentioned, it's a code name, so it can go to any agent who was currently presiding under that code name. Same thing with Little Mermaid. It's a mermaid. Mermaids have no race. And there's no distinction as to where she comes from. Therefore, because she's linked to that, she must be of descent of whatever country. No, it's a freaking mermaid. So if they got if they got uh, Halle Bailey to play that character, cool. If they had uh, Zendaya to play that character, cool. If they had Ariana Grande to play that character, cool. It doesn't matter. I think the main thing that matters for that role in particular is whether or not the actress can sing. And Haley can sing, from what I've heard. She's very good at singing. I think the main thing that they need, that they need to do is... Maintain the red hair. She needs to have the red hair. If they don't have the red hair, then that's going to be yet another thing that people are going to flame her over, and she doesn't deserve that. So they got to do right by her in that regard. And my thing is this. You know, there. this isn't the first time where you've had a role like uh, The Little Mermaid where the race wasn't really that important. I mean, you look at the, the role of Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman. It was played by uh, – by, uh, why am I forgetting this guy's name right now? Holy crap. Uh, the big Samoan dude. <laughs> uh, it'll come to me on that. I don't know why. I just blanked out right there and then. Um, but basically, that guy is Samoan. And Arthur Curry, the character, is he looks like a white guy. A white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes. That I don't know why I'm forgetting this man's name right now. But that man does not look like a white guy with blonde hair and blue eyes. He is Samoan. So people weren't freaking out about that. But okay, whatever. Screw that. We'll... we'll We'll leave that alone. And then you had um, Samuel L. Jackson play the role of Nick Fury. And for the majority of the time, Nick Fury as a character has been a white guy in the comics. It wasn't until maybe the early to mid-2000s at the latest that they remixed the, the character of Nick Fury and made him a black man. And not only made him a black man, but they made him into the image of Samuel L. Jackson, basically, which is how he was able to land that role in the MCU. But again, people weren't freaking out about that. And then um, the character of Heimdall that's played by Idris Elba in the, in, the Thor, in, in the Thor franchise. Again, a character that was a white guy for, for the most part from what I've seen. And then they remixed him into a black guy. Now, he did get flack for that, which I thought that was stupid, but he should have gotten flack for that. Like, it's, you're, you're talking about a, a fictional land that doesn't even exist. Right, it's not even on Earth. It's a dimension above Earth, or whatever the case may be. It, it looks like it looks like flat Earth. If Earth was flat, it would be Asgard. That's exactly what it is. Asgard is flat Earth. So Ky- Kyrie Irving is not completely wrong per se on Earth being flat if he's talking about Asgard. Anyways, either way, I think it all matters on what role is being casted and who, and and how that role is going to be portrayed. Again, if your casting roles are based on like mythical people and mythical creatures and what have you. Race goes out the window, in my personal opinion. But if it's based on someone that already does exist, that's where it gets money. I think that's where people have their have their um, their. 
don't know the word to describe it, but they have their issues with it. Let me just say that. They have their issues with it. Now, again, like I said before, some of their issues reside in their hatred towards people of different ethnic groups. And for those people, they're omitted from this conversation because they're assholes and douchebags. But when it comes to people who are talking about the image of said person and what have you and how it doesn't align with the consistent image that's been portrayed for a long time, then that's where waters get a bit muddied and that's where you have that, that divide. So either way, when it comes to Hollywood – Again, like I said before, if you really want to be authentic, if you want to be creative and groundbreaking, either create new roles altogether and and portray those stories so that we can have more original concepts, or if you are going to take an original an original story or and adapt it into, into film, then make sure the casting is proper in, in terms of the actor, the caliber of the actor, and how the and and, and how the story is going to be recreated and retold and reimagined. That's the main thing that comes with it. But either way, where do you guys align on this? Are you for diversity? Are you against diversity? Are you for diversity if it's actually benefiting the consumer as well as the actors and everyone in between? Let me know what your thoughts are. Hit me up on social media at CoolRadioCC and let me know. We got to go to a commercial break, so keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yeah. Cool. And yes, yes, yo. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it's your man, DM Cool. And welcome back to Cool Radio. <coughs> All right. Now, let's get to Trip Talk. Three topics, three of the hottest topics that took place within hip hop and pop culture. And with that said, let's get into it. So, first topic that we got to discuss. So, Spike Lee and his series on Netflix, She's Gotta Have It, has been officially canceled after two seasons. Now, the reasons weren't really detailed as to why it got canceled, but he's currently shopping it around to other networks. So, it could be on Showtime, it could be on Stars, could be on Hulu, you never know. It could end up on any streaming platform potentially, but he's currently shopping it to see if any network will buy it. Now, this doesn't surprise me for a couple of things. Two things. One thing, and this is the, the most obvious thing, Netflix has been making cuts left, right, and center like it's going out of style. So they've been cutting a lot of their content that they don't see as viable anymore, especially with the Marvel Netflix shows as well. Uh, they've been cutting a lot uh, in order to create budgets for more original content, basically, which is a just a tad bit surprising as to why they decided to cut this show, but... In terms of originality, which leads into my second point, you basically already have a version of this is already this is already somewhat a version of insecure, and I don't mean to pit two black shows together because of course they can both operate in the same space and and be uh, coexistent of one another, and then the more black shows on television, the better I, I say, but I feel like with this show in particular, it really I I personally didn't really see it going anywhere, and I'll say this and I'll say why. With this show in particular, I watched most of the first season. I wasn't really that impressed. To me, well, first and foremost, I've already seen the film from the 80s. Like it, and it's basically an exact page-for-page page version of what happened in the film. So you have the, the black woman who is trying to explore her sexuality. She's basically having a sexual relationship with one guy who's very young and immature but makes her laugh. And she keeps – she gives – it or she – gets entertained by him in a multitude of ways. Then she has the light-skinned guy who's super obsessed with himself. And then she has the older, more mature, dark-skinned gentleman, basically, who probably has a wife on the side, if I 
I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Either way, I feel like these character archetypes are somewhat outdated. And the fact that he's trying to put them into a 2018, 2019 uh, type of you know setting, to me, it just doesn't make sense. And this, is, this isn't the first time where he's kind of struck it out when it comes to adapting things for this era. Like the film Chirac, he tried to make a whole hip-hop Shakespeare thing out of it, and it just didn't connect. It didn't land. And I think that's another reason why this show is getting canceled because I'm sure the ratings weren't adding up. And Netflix said, well, if the ratings aren't even matching what they did the previous year, then why are we spending this much money? We have so much more money we need to allocate towards other projects. So we're probably just going to cut our losses and go from there. That's probably what happened. And, yeah, I just wasn't the biggest fan of the show. I didn't really like the character progression. It just seemed – I don't know. Like I feel like what Insecure is doing, they're doing a much better job of what – she's got to have it tried to do you know the fact that you have a character like Issa Rae who's trying to navigate through uh, her love life through her relationship with friends as well as being in the job sector and trying to navigate through that as well and all the other characters in between as far as their arcs and what have you we're more invested into those as well and I feel like she's got to have it was just like a lackluster version of that so for me that's why I wasn't really into the show it I don't know. It just, it just it wasn't for me. Like I I want to support as many black shows as possible, but I'm not gonna support it just because that it's black. Like it's gotta be black. And it's gotta be good. Like I gotta like it. Like I really gotta have some sort of emotional attachment to it. And I just didn't. Like it just didn't land with me. It just didn't. So I'm not surprised that it's canceled. Mind you, I'm not happy that it's canceled. I I just want to get that out there. I'm not happy that it's canceled. I'm I hope you know at least for Spike that there is going to be a network that will pick it up and and we'll see where it goes. But you know, it's Spike. Like, he always has something cooking. He always has something cooking. That's why I won't be worried about whether this endeavor fails or succeeds. But either way, he's always cooking. So I'm not worried about that. But either way, let me know. Were you guys fans of that show? Were you not? Do you feel the same way as I do? Either way, hit me up on social media at Cool Radio CC. Next topic we got to get to. Speaking of films, uh, Nicki Minaj stated this week. <clears throat> that she wants to be casted for the role of Catwoman in the next Batman film. No! 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 I'm sorry, but that's a hard no for me. That is a hard no for me. And I say this because of this. When it comes to Nicki Minaj, and she's not the only rapper who's guilty of this, but Nicki Minaj... Anytime she's been in a movie or had some sort of acting role, she has played somewhat of an extended version of herself. And it just, for me, it's not original when you're playing an extended version of yourself. It can be fun, depending on what the movie or show is and what it's about, or what your role in that cameo or that one episode is about. But to do it throughout, as, to do it as a lead character throughout a series or a film, it doesn't resonate with people. It really won't because it basically just looks like one big giant promo for your album. And Nicki Minaj, I mean, I don't know. Like I've seen her in not even just like in like minor acting roles, but even like just in, in movie trailers alone. I mean, the, the trailer that I saw for Barbershop 3 with, with that one part where she's like, oh, my ass is like an Amex card. It gets me everywhere. Like, come on. Like that shit that you were already singing in a song. It's like, why do we need to hear from you in a movie? It's just an extended commercial. And 
I don't know. I don't think she would have. She would even have the range to play a complex character like Selena Kyle, aka Catwoman. I mean, and I hate to say this, but I'm sure if she were to play that role, I'm sure the role that Halle Berry played in that 2004 monstrosity would come out way better than what Nicki Minaj would do. Like Nicki Minaj is not built for that kind of acting. Like if this was like one of those early 2000s straight to DVD movies that rappers were producing, then yeah, I can see that. But to her to play a complex role like Selena Kyle, I don't see it at all. Not even the slightest. So please Nicki Minaj, stay away from that, man. Focus on your music. Focus on making a classic album for once in your life. Like this role is not for you. I'm sorry. So some of the bars may come after me for that, but good. Let them come after me. Shoot. Either way, no. That's a hard no for me. I'm sorry. No. Hell no. Absolutely not. I'm sure even her barbs would say pump the brakes on that. That's a no for me. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> but either way, do you guys think she should play the role of Catwoman? Me, I say hell no. What do you guys say? Let me know what you think in the comments section below, whether you watch this on YouTube or whether you're listening to this on SoundCloud or any other social media platform. And let's get to our final topic, which involves ASAP Rocky. Now, ASAP Rocky. Uh, last week, I discussed the details of his incident that took place in Sweden and how he's still being held in a Swedish jail cell right now. And right now, um, according to reports, the prosecution for the case is asking for an extension to do more investigation on the matters. Now, in case if you're kind of late on this, long story short, ASAP Rocky uh, was arrested because he assaulted uh, somebody from Sweden, essentially. Now, it doesn't sound, it's not as black and white as it sounds upon first hearing it. Essentially, what took place was the fact that he was roaming through Sweden with him and his entourage, and he had a couple of followers straggling behind him, and they asked him repeatedly on multiple occasions to move away, and it was all documented via videotape. There's even a, a moment during the tape where one of those followers threw their headsets at ASAP's bodyguard and then had the audacity to say, oh, you broke my headphones. So this went along for, I'm going to say at least 10, 15 minutes, give or take. I'm assuming that's how long it took. And then, boiling points were reached, and that's when ASAP Rocky put hands on the guys, and then that's when they were arrested. So, my thing is this. If the prosecution is taking time to do more research, then I would hope that they would realize that, as being documented on videotape, that even though ASAP did put hands on those guys... They were the aggressors. They were the antagonizers. They were verbally abusing them. And hell, you can even throw an assault charge on the person who threw the uh, the headphones at the bodyguard because technically that's aggravated assault right there. So I think that should be something that should definitely be taken into consideration when reviewing all the, the facts behind this case because I don't think it's fair that ASAP is being locked in this jail cell for, what, two weeks now, I think? So, yeah, I think there needs to be more action that needs to be taking place so that he can be freed from the jail cell because, quite honestly, he doesn't deserve to be in there. And many people within the rap community are taking their stance. A lot of them are protesting in the form of canceling whatever tour dates that they have that lead into Sweden. That goes for Cardi B. That goes for Tyler, the creator. That goes for Tyga. So it's good to know that the hip-hop community is standing for ASAP in this regard because, yes, he did some wrongdoing on his part, but it wasn't like this came out of nowhere. He was being heavily antagonized and one of his one of the members of his entourage 
was assaulted beforehand as well. So I think that's something that really needs to be taken into heavy and serious consideration. But either way, what do you guys think? Once again, hit me up on social media and share your thoughts. And now it is time for the Wanks of the Week. So with that being said, who has entered the shallow walls of the Hall of Shame this week? Who has been crowned the captain of Coonery this week? It is time for Wankster of the Week. And this week's Wankster of the Week goes to first-time offender, the rapper known as Blueface. Now, Blueface is getting the Wankster of the Week because this week he decreed that he is the best lyricist in the game. The same man who brought you the single, Thought Tiana. The same man who raps off beat and has a very struggling flow, if you will. Is the same person who has now claimed himself to be the best lyricist in the game. Now, let me start off by saying this. I've heard snippets of his songs. I've even read a few quotables, if you will. And... Quite frankly, I'm not impressed. On top of that, let's let's call it for what it is. Let's keep it 100. He's trolling. He is definitely trolling. He posted this on social media via Instagram. He is trolling. He is trying to occupy the spot that Takashi Six Nine once was, and he is also occupying the spot that Mar what's his name Marquise or the the R&B guy who said he was the best R&B singer in the game is his name Marquise or something like that. Either way, he's occupying his spot, but in the, in the rap lane specifically. And quite frankly, if you're not on the level of a Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Drake, uh, Logic, or Big Crit, to name a few, then you're not a top lyricist. Like, those are, those are rappers who can call themselves the best lyricist in the game because they've all earned it. This guy hasn't earned it. We don't even have an album to speak of. And he hasn't earned it. He came out with thought. He came out with a record called Thought Tiana. Like, really? So to me, this is nothing but a troll job. And because of that, he's getting the wanks of the week. I don't think he is a lyricist in, in, in any regard. I think his bars are pretty basic for the most part. I don't know how old this kid is. Hopefully he has time to grow and learn. But to me, he just seems like a byproduct of this up-and-coming generation of rappers who are just out here for clicks, likes, retweets. And anything in between that will get their name in the, the news cycle. Like, to me, they're just trolls. And he is no exception. He's occupying the spot that Takashi 69 was once in. And he's trying to be the new Takashi 69 for the future uh, decade going forward. So, for me, I think he's whack for that. And this is nothing more than child's play in my eyes. So, yeah, he's the wankster of the week for trying to bring himself the wrong kind of attention. Either way, does he deserve this wankster? Of course he does. And I'm going to drop it on him just like this. And that does it for tonight's show, ladies and gents. I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Next week, we may or may not be on the air, but I will keep you posted throughout the week as developments continue to be placed in motion. But nonetheless, thank y'all for tuning in. As always, hit us up on social media on multiple platforms at Cool Radio CC. And as always, Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace.